0: Uh, What book are we in? We're in the book of Acts. Actually, we're going to wander out of the book of Acts a little bit today. Uh, We're going to look at Acts, but uh, Acts takes some jumps. So in narrating the story of Paul, uh, there's a place where he takes a 14 to 17 year, I don't know if Luke just didn't care, Mm -hmm. or wasn't relevant to the story he's telling, but he just jumps up to that. So before we go to that in our next uh, session in a few weeks, thought might be fun because actually Paul tells us he dropped some tantalizing hints of what's going on in that period. So picking up from last <laughs> week, uh, chapter 9, Luke narrated the story of Paul's Damascus Road experience, which is also called Paul's conversion. Uh, that's the way I was taught it, and we use that language a lot. And so last week we took a look at that. And remember, the conversion there is probably an appropriate term you can use, even if it's not in the way that we normally would use it. Uh, He sees the risen Jesus. Luke says on the road to Damascus, Paul indicates that it was in the Damascus area, although he didn't tell us where. He receives, and the language is pretty clear. When Paul talks about it, it's the language of a a prophetic call. He's set aside. He's called by God. Uh, Just like Isaiah or Jeremiah was called, Paul was uh, called by God for a very particular task. And his task, as Paul understands it, is to be the Apostle to the Gentiles. And we're gonna look at a couple of quotes today from Paul because this is one of those places where Luke and Paul understand Paul's ministry in very different ways. Uh, Luke understands that he's to go first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. Well, that's Luke in theology. There's not once in Paul's letters that he ever references going to the Jews. He's called by God, set aside, For a very specific ministry that's very different from the ministry of Peter. Peter is sent to who? The Jews. 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 Paul's not. Paul is sent to the Gentiles. And (laughs) so that was that story. He's converted not in the way that we sometimes understand it. In the sense that he went up to Damascus a Jew. And he comes back from Damascus a Christian. Uh, Both Luke in the book of Acts and Paul in his letters are very, very clear. Paul never, ever stopped being a Jew. He understood himself to be a Jew. Uh, Several times in the book of Acts, in the closing chapters, when Paul, uh, they're Luke speeches, but when Paul's speaking, uh, given the voice by Luke, he referenced himself to be a Jew. And of course, last week we saw uh, two or three times in his letters, Paul refers to himself in those terms. He's a Jew for Jesus, but he's a Jew. Uh, So the conversion is not from Judaism to Christianity. It is from enemy to advocate. Because Paul is real clear in his letters, and Acts is real clear, the Luke narrative, that he was a zealous persecutor. Remember, zealous is that code word. Who's the Old Testament figure? Phineas, right, the Phineas story from Numbers. And so this language of Phineas and the example of Phineas becomes huge in Second Temple Judaism. Um, So when Paul says he was more zealous of the traditions of his elders, than any of his contemporaries, he's just told you something, because you remember what Philo said. Philo said it is the duty of any good Jew, when the th- the boundaries of the faith are threatened, without going to the magistrate, without going to any legal system, just vent your anger, and take their life, because it's that important, and we have that uh, stated over and over. Uh, he becomes, I, probably nobody more surprised than Paul himself. He becomes. The advocate for the very thing he was against. Now, in the storyline in Luke's uh, Luke's story in the book of Acts, we hit this point of the the uh, the conversion or the, the Damascus Road experience, and then he's going to kind of fade. Luke's going to talk about uh, Peter, narrate his story for a while, and he goes on to some other things, and then we're going to pick Paul up again, several years down the road. Now, there's no one way to do this timeline, but it looks like it's about fourteen to 17 years later, which is interesting because Paul's entire ministry of his letters is in five years. Okay, The entire uh, ministry he had in in, uh, Greece and in Turkey, so far as we know, is around a five-year kind of period. So a 14 to 17-year gap is huge. Uh, And then you'll pick up the story. He's going to resume the story up in a church up to the north. Uh, Today it would uh, probably be in Lebanon or southern Turkey, called Antioch. And there's several Antiochs. This is a Syrian Antioch. And he's going to resume around that church and the launching of a ministry by Barnabas with Paul as his assistant, his junior assistant. And we refer to this generally as the first missionary journey. Uh, and, of course, this raises the question, what about the missing years? Uh, we leave the camera with Paul, Damascus Road, We pick up the camera then, almost a generation later, uh, with a lot going on, so we have some insight. Today, that's all we want to do. We just want to kind of look at this and see if we can fill in the gaps some. Fortunately, we have some information. We've got a little bit from from Acts. Uh, In Acts chapter nine, Luke does give us two just real quick little vignettes, uh, and these are somewhat at odds with what Paul says happened. And somewhat it concurs with what Paul says, says happens. So we won't do that. But two real quick vignettes. Uh, and then we have the Apostle Paul giving a supplemental biography. He does so mostly in Galatians, but a little bit in Romans, a little bit in 2 Corinthians. We won't reference Philippians today, but there's a place in Philippians where he talks about his life. Most of the time, Paul's talking about the gospel. He's not telling his own story, except when he really gets mad. When somebody's really ticked him off. And then he has to defend himself, and he'll narrate a little bit of that story. Uh, so we're going to use those sources today to kind of see what can we fill in of this period. Luke's two snapshots both immediately follow. In fact, Luke's the person who uses the term immediately and giving us that idea. And, and people say uh, in, in the Greek and in the storyline, it looks like one of the things Paul, uh, Luke's trying to communicate is this all happens very, very quickly. It's not drawn out. Uh, one occurs in Damascus, where Paul was on the way, and the other occurs back in Jerusalem. So this, these two stories, real quick. Well, both of these are in Acts 9. Paul and Damascus. When he got up and was baptized, remember there's no horse in this story, but it does appear he got knocked down. Uh, he got up, he was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Of course, he was blinded for a couple of days. Uh, for several days, he was with the disciples. These are Jesus' followers. we where? In Damascus. So he's now with the very people he had gone to arrest, which is just some irony here. Immediately, Luke says, he began to proclaim Jesus. The way Luke tells the story, Paul just hits the ground running. Okay, This is the full-blown apostle that you and I know from day one, from the conversion. And where is he doing it? He's doing it in the synagogues, um, saying he is the son of God. Now some people think Messiah is the Jewish term and Son of God is more of a Gentile term, but actually Son of God is in fact a Jewish term too. The king in ancient Egypt, the king in ancient Babylon and the uh, the king of Israel went by the title Son of God. Psalm 2, there's many, many references to that. So this is a Jewish proclamation. All who heard him were amazed. I would imagine that would be amazing. Jesus coming out of Paul's mouth would be quite amazing. Is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem? What did he do in Jerusalem according to Luke? Stephen. Stephen's, uh, Stephen's stoning, Stephen's assassination, Stephen's death. Uh, Paul is holding the coats, and you can read into that what you will. Uh, in Jerusalem among those who invoked his name. And has he not come here for the purpose of bringing them bound before the chief priest? Which Luke told us a little bit earlier. Paul went to Damascus with arrest warrants from the high priest in Jerusalem. The high priest in Jerusalem has no legal sway over Damascus, but he would have a lot of moral sway and influence since the, the, the bank at the temple controls the Jewish assets pretty much worldwide. Saul became increasingly more powerful and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Messiah. So very effective uh, speaker, very effective preacher. After some time had passed, we have no idea how long this is, the Jews plotted to kill him. Figuring it's Paul, I'm guessing it probably didn't take a long time. Uh, But their plot became known to Saul. They were watching the gates day and night so that they might kill him. And then this marvelous story, one of the things that Paul actually confirms in his letters, it's, it's one of those little details. His disciples took him by night let him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a basket. Now talk about an ignominious exit from the city. you know. He literally runs for his life. His friends get him out before he can be executed. Segway, we now go back to Jerusalem. Again, we don't know the time frame, but it appears it's moving pretty quickly. When he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples. I bet that was a warm welcome. <laughs> but they were all afraid of him for they did not believe that he was a disciple. Now, that's credible, okay? That is credible. But Barnabas, now remember who Barnabas was? You know one of the, one of the Hellenists? Barnabas took him, brought him to the apostles, and described for them how on the road uh, he, was, he had seen the Lord and had spoken to him. So Barnabas intervenes and makes it possible for Paul to be accepted by the Galilean group, we call them the apostles or the 12 disciples, uh, those who actually knew Jesus in the flesh. And how in Damascus he had spoken boldly in the name of the Lord. So he had a vision of Jesus, he spoke to Jesus, and he had been an effective witness to Jesus. And this information appears to win over the Jerusalem church, so Paul's accepted. So Paul went in and out among them in Jerusalem, indicating he's now been accepted, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord, He spoke and argued with the Hellenists. Now, the Hellenists are the what? Greek Greek speaking Jews. Probably what this is referring to is the Greek speaking Jews who are not Christian. They're not Jesus believers. This is the group that Stephen stirred up. This is the group that then uh, got rid of Stephen. This is the group that, when the persecution broke out, Luke tells us, scattered all over the Mediterranean Empire. Some of them had gone up here into Damascus. Uh, there were some in Jerusalem as well, apparently still. Uh, and they are, again, attempting to kill him. Everywhere Paul goes, people want to kill him. Just an amazing thing. Uh, when the believers heard of it, they brought him down to Caesarea. There are s- multiple Caesareas. This is Caesarea Maritima, the one that King Herod built. It's on the coast, uh, that marvelous city. And sent him off to Tarsus. Now, just some observations. The way that Luke narrates the story, we get the impression that this, all of this does not take much time. Weeks, possibly even days. It's just moving along. Paul immediately becomes the apostle that we know. In spite, as Paul tells us, being called to preach to the Gentiles, Luke tells us that he goes to the Jews and begins to proclaim them. He's doing that in the synagogues of Damascus. He stirs up the community. They want to kill him. Uh, Paul even has, as he will later in his ministry, remember uh, Silas, Timothy, Titus, Paul has followers, he has associates he works with. He's shown here is even having those here, disciples. Anyway, a group of people who s- literally save his life by letting him down. Paul confirms this in his letters because somebody had to let him down. You know, somebody has to hold the other end of the rope. Uh, they allow him to securely, uh, secretly slip down. He goes to Jerusalem, to the apostles. He preaches boldly in Jerusalem after Barnabas gives him an entree. We get the same reaction in, uh, in Jerusalem we get in Damascus. People want to kill him. Uh, by the way, this does not appear to be too unusual in Paul's autobiography. He evokes strong response. Um, they have to slip him out secretly out of Jerusalem so he won't be killed. And they take him up to the coast and they put him on a, a ship and say, out of here. You know. Uh, See you later. Uh, he has to sail 400 miles, about 360 miles actually, back to his home up in Tarsus, which is now in southern Turkey. Then, at the end of this narrative, Luke tosses in one of those real jewels. He tells us that at the close of this story of Paul and Jusum, he just adds one interesting little footnote about the church that he left behind. This is it. Verse 31. Meanwhile, the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria, this is the church that Philip and the other Hellenists have been uh, been growing, uh, had peace. Now that Paul's gone, (laughs) we got peace. And it was built up. Uh, Living in the fear of the Lord, the comfort of the Holy Spirit, increasing in numbers. Now, Luke will do this several times. This is one of these sort of summaries of that. But what strikes a lot of people is that the Jerusalem church has peace once they get rid of Paul. While he's there, there is no peace. And by the way, 14 years later, Paul's gonna come back after that absence and the church is again plunged (laughs) into turmoil. (laughs) And we have what's known as the Council at Jerusalem because of what Paul and Barnabas do on that first mission. Paul just seems to have that effect on people. Uh, In his letter, Paul confirms much of what Luke says. Uh, he did stir up the trouble in Damascus. And he even confirms that little detail of being let out, uh, w- which is an amazing kind of detail, being let down in the basket. He does this over in 2 Corinthians 11. In Damascus, the governor under King Artis guarded the city of Damascus in order to seize me. So he confirms <laughs> that there were people looking <coughs> for him. But I was let down in the basket, through a window in the wall, and escaped from his hands. Uh, Paul also confirms that he then went to Jerusalem, spent some time there with the apostles. In Galatians, he says this, I did go up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas. Cephas is Peter. uh, And stayed with him 15 days. Why would you visit Peter for 15 days? What's Peter know that you don't know? Jesus. Yeah, I would think that that, that's probably a reasonable kind of deal. Uh, Paul confirms some of these details. But it's interesting that when you compare Luke with Paul, there are some things that are congruent. There are some things that are incongruent. And it appears that, that Luke, I'm going to guess that Paul, having liv- lived it and written it during his lifetime, probably is a little closer to what actually happened. And Luke, writing a narrative you know, a couple generations later, maybe makes some, uh, some changes there. Uh, but there are some things that stand out here that we need to look at. In Galatians what really stands out is that Luke and Paul have a different timeline. Luke gives the impression that things are happening immediately. They're happening quickly. We're moving right along. Paul does not give that indication. matter of fact, he gives the indication a significant amount of time is going to transpire. And we're looking at the period right after the Damascus Road experience. Uh, So Luke, speeding it along, Paul telling us, you know, this stuff didn't even happen for three years, which fills in some of this. So Galatians 1, 15 to 18, Paul was attacked at the church of Galatia, had to defend himself, and so he gives some autobiography. But when God was pleased to reveal his son to me, that would have been where? The road to Damascus, so we're obviously referring to the same experience probably, so that I might proclaim him among the Gentiles. It's Exactly what Luke says, he's called... Sees the risen Lord. Called to be an apostle to the Gentiles. I did not confer with any human being. In Damascus. Jerusalem. Or anywhere. I did not go to Jerusalem. Which is the exact opposite. Of what Luke says. I did not go to the people. Who were apostles before me. And what does Luke say? He went to the apostles before him. So there's a little bit of a disconnect here. I went away at once. Arabia which in the first century is a big geographic area you can go north you can go west uh, east you can go south and you're in Arabia but afterwards I returned to Damascus then after three years I did go to Jerusalem so Paul's indicating here that Luke is just kind of telescoped or skipped over a period of time that we wouldn't even know about had Paul not got mad at the church at Galatia and given us some details from that. Uh, he went to visit Cephas, not the 12, Cephas. He's real clear about this. And then he s- stays for 15 days. Uh, Luke also presents Paul in his depiction as being focused on Jews. It's one of the things that stands out about chapter 9. And it's also going to stand out uh, further. Uh As we go further in the book of Acts, Luke will consistently depict Paul going to a synagogue to the Jews. It's it's almost like a template. He goes to the synagogue, he goes to the Jews. The Jews do what? Reject him. And then he turns to the Gentiles who embrace his message. It, It really is kind of a template. Paul, on the other hand, indicates that he was called by God to go to the Gentiles. Nowhere in his letters does he ever mention that he's been called to go to the Jews. Doesn't mean he didn't. It just means he never mentions it. Uh, So in Galatians 2, we have this. I have been entrusted with the gospel for the uncircumcised. Peter had been entrusted to the gospel of the circumcised. Peter goes to the Jews. Paul goes to the Gentiles, just in case we missed it. For he, uh, God, who worked through Peter, making him an apostle to the Jews, also worked through me, sending me to the Gentiles. So Paul understands he's been called, just like a prophet, set aside by God for a very specific task. As you'll say in Roman, Israel, God's people, is made up of Jew and Gentile. Both are part of God's people. They're, they're two missions. Both are connected. Paul tells us that in Damascus, he's forced to leave, not because of preaching in the synagogue or that the Jews were unhappy. I mean, it could be, but it's not something that Paul mentions. According to Paul, he got in trouble politically. Now think about this. You tick the governor off, or the king, and the governor. Not a good combination in the ancient world. This is a a short life expectancy. What did he do to tick him off? We don't know. But it's Paul. He did something, you know, And got him irritated. Uh, In Acts, Luke also wants to link Paul to Jerusalem and to the apostles. That's a major theme in the book of Acts. Uh, Mother church is where? Jerusalem. Mother church is led by? You know, the the apostles, the disciples. So if Paul's going to have this new ministry, this new mission, he needs to go to Jerusalem and get their blessing so that he now operates under the blessing. That's Luke's theology. That just makes Paul bristle. And in Galatians, he bristles mightily. According to Paul, he does not go for three years. He goes for only 15 days. He only meets with Peter. And then as an afterthought, he says, oh, by the way, I saw the biological brother of Jesus, uh, James. Uh, I did talk with him a little bit. After the visit, it's another 14 years before he bothers to go back to Jerusalem again. So in Galatians, we get these two statements. After three years, I did go to Jerusalem. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem. He's not hanging out in Jerusalem. And he's not hanging out with the apostles. He's real clear about that. Uh, Paul even says he's unknown in Judea. Now, Paul will exaggerate on occasion. Not that we've ever had that issue with any of our preachers. Uh, <laughs> but Galatians 122, he says this. I was still unknown by sight of the churches of Judea that are in Christ, they didn't know who I was, so how can I count out to them when they need didn't even know me? Now he's going to say some other things that kind of bring that into question. In Galatians, Paul—it's interesting—seems to be arguing against the very statement we have in Acts. And one of the things that, w- that w- when we look at that uh, Council of Jerusalem, which we'll see in a few weeks, it looks like there's two sides to that fight. There's Paul. And there's the church in Jerusalem. And it looks like Luke in the book of Acts gives the Jerusalem side. And so Luke's going to give, I mean, uh, Paul's going to give the other side. Uh, so it seems to be, he's trying to counter this view, that he immediately went to Jerusalem, that he was part of the Jerusalem church, and that he received their sanction. He's under their authority. They may that may be why in, the, in Galatians he adds this, and this is fiery rhetoric. Okay, he's, he's worked up. After three years, I did go up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas. I stayed with him 15 days. I did not see any other apostle. Okay, he's real clear about that, except James. The bro- he just occurred to me. Oh yeah, I did see James, uh, but he was different. In what I am writing to you, before God, I do not lie. Can you get the feeling of that? There's some energy in this. What Luke says. Paul says, no, did not happen. Then I went into the regions of Syria. What's the town of Syria? Antioch, Cilicia, Tarsus. Okay, he confirms the two places of Luke as he goes. Now, on the other hand, when you get worked up and you're angry, you might not be totally factual. You know, the emotion may get carried away. There's a couple of other things that he says that indicates it may not be as quite as cut and dried as he just said. He may have had a little bit more connection with Judea and the Jerusalem church than he lets on. In Romans and Galatians, Paul gives us these little hints that he may have spent a little bit extra time in uh, Jerusalem and Judea. So these are worth looking at. Romans 15, 19. Uh, this is near the end of his ministry, near the end of his life. He writes to Rome because why? Why, why does he write the Roman church, you remember? He didn't found it, it's one of the very few letters written to church he did not found. Yeah, at some point, yeah, didn't change. He wants to visit there, and this is Paul. You think his reputation may have preceded him, and maybe that reputation wasn't exactly glowing, and so Romans has written sort of his uh, bona fides to get his understanding of the gospel out there. So this is, he's, he's explaining to them who he is. And we get this wonderful insight near the end of the, the book. By the power of signs and wonders. There are religious groups in our world today that they're in this, they call the signs and wonders movement. Speaking in tongues, healing, prophecy, things like that. By the power of the spirit of God from Jerusalem as far around as Illyricum, by the way, it's, it's interesting, Illyricum is a province in the Roman Empire, neither in Acts nor in uh, Paul's letters do we have any record that he was ever there, which means that what we have doesn't cover everything because Paul just said he was there. The other thing that's interesting about this is where does he begin his ministry, according to him? Where did it start? Jerusalem. And he's just said, they don't know me there. Mm-hmm. So it, it's a little more complicated than us know. I have fully proclaimed the good news of Christ, which tells us Paul preached in where? Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Jerusalem. despite the fact what he said earlier. So, and the, what he said earlier makes sense because he doesn't want to give the impression that he got his authority to be an apostle from the other disciples. Where does his authority come from? came from God. It came from Jesus on the road. Uh, See, so he, he must ab- avoid anything that smacks that he, he relies on this authority. He doesn't uh, indicate he did any preaching in Jerusalem. So the question is, when did he proclaim the good news? So he must have uh, skipped over something there. Second statement in Galatians also raises questions. Galatians 1.13. You have heard no doubt of my earlier life in Judaism. Better believe we have. I was violently persecuting the church of God and trying to destroy it. Which raises the question, if he's not known in Judea, when and where was he violently persecuting it? You know? So the, the, what it sounds like is that Paul in Galatians, like any good uh, repetition would, he's, he's pitching it to his audience, and he's glossing over some stuff, and some of the stuff that Luke says happens. Uh, that he did, in fact, was there, he did try to destroy it. And it probably did happen in Jerusalem. Now, Paul, according to uh, Acts, moves on pretty quickly. According to Paul, we've got a three-year period. He's in Arabia and Damascus. Uh, best guess is all it is is a guess. Best guess, he spent most of the time where, you think? Where would you spend it? Damascus, right? Uh, Arabia, we don't know about uh some people think he just kind of went and stood, stood under a bush somewhere. Uh, I think there's a better, better possibility than that. Uh, but this gives us an idea that, that Paul learned the Christian tradition. Paul did not learn initially what it meant to be a Christian, and what we believe and what we're about from Jerusalem. And he did not learn it from the apostles. He's a Christian three years before he ever gets there. So where is he learning about what it means to be a Christian? Where does Luke and Paul both say he went? Damascus, okay, to that little group of of, of people he was trying to crush and get rid of. Paul's narrative indicates that the first three years of his faith are shaped by the Hellenistic Damascus Church. And these would be Hellenistic Jews. They would not be uh, Jesus believers, not be Hebrew speaking. He is not influenced, at least initially, by the people in the mother church. Which is interesting because in the rest of his letters, for the rest of his life, he has a running battle with the Jerusalem church. Because his understanding of the faith is somewhat at odds with the understanding of some very fundamental issues. Can a Gentile come into the faith without converting to be a Jew? Mother Church Jerusalem says, no. Paul says, yes. Fight breaks out. Paul says that later, even Barnabas went against me. Even the church that sponsored me, the church at Antioch, went against me. He loses that battle, which is how he becomes the apostle that we know. Paul is a Hellenistic Damascus Christian. He has more in common with Stephen that's who you want to be connected with, right? Yeah. <laughs> Philip and the Hellenists that were scattered. He thinks more in those kinds of terms. It makes sense. More of that than the Hebrews, the other apostles. Like Stephen, Paul seems to have the ability to not uh, smooth things over. You know. um, the Pharisees were accused at one point of, of, of smoothing things over. Paul doesn't do that. You know. He's very evocative. He, he provokes people. According to Luke, the first reaction he gets in Damascus is people want to kill him. He goes to Jerusalem. The reaction there is he argues. can't imagine the guy arguing. They want to kill him. We have a little theme emerging here. In Jerusalem, he gets so bad that he has to be slipped out of town in order not to be killed. Now, what's interesting here is that Paul confirms this in his letters. Not the specifics, but in broad strokes. 2 Corinthians, Paul talks about this. I have had more imprisonments with countless floggings. Ouch. Countless. Countless floggings. Often near death. Five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus minus one. Remember what the punishment 39 lashes was? Lash them until an inch of death. That's what it means. It's just short of the death penalty. Three times I was beaten by rods. That's a Roman punishment. You get that from Romans. Once I was stoned. That means they thought he was dead. Stoning is a capital punishment. So at some point he was stoned, they thought he was dead, walked away, and somehow or another he actually survived that experience. What's interesting is 39 lashes is what kind of a pun- Who gives that punishment? It's not Romans. Choose. Stoning is given by Jews, okay? Those are distinctly Jewish punishments. You don't get those going to Gentiles, okay? You don't get that kind of stuff unless you're in a synagogue ticking people off, you know? So somewhere along there, Paul has actually been in the synagogue, which Luke says he was, and he mightily stirred them up, and they didn't particularly appreciate it. So these have to come from his fellow Jews in the synagogues. Again, neither Paul's narrative nor Luke's covers everything. Second Corinthians, Paul even explicitly says that he was in danger, as he says, from my own people, Jews. Uh, he says that in Second Corinthians chapter 11. But the main difference, it appears, between Luke and Paul is not the substance of the content, that those are just emphases, The main difference is this this timing. Uh, Luke does seem to telescope things down, make it happen quicker. Of course, Luke's got a much bigger story to tell. Um, Takes what Luke and Paul tells us. Uh, If we we take this together, what we've looked at, and if we give preference to Paul, you wanna give preference to Paul because who actually lived through it? Paul, give him the benefit of the doubt there, okay? Here's a possible reconstruction of the lost years. We're going to do it twice, once without dates, once with dates. After his conversion, he goes to Arabia, because that's where he told us. It's a big area. The most likely place in Arabia, uh, it's interesting, some recent scholars have said Paul, by the way, the rest of his ministry, where did Paul go? Went to Greece and Turkey, but small towns? Rural countryside? No. Paul's a capitalist. It's a title of a book that actually came out. Paul goes from Roman capital to Roman capital on Roman roads. That's what he does for the rest of his life. So if he's consistent and he goes into Arabia, where would he go? Petra. This is the Nabataean kingdom called Arabia. Any of you all been to Petra? There's not a shred of evidence that Paul was ever there, except if he's consistent to the kind of guy he was, And he would have gone to the local Roman capital to spend some time. It could be he was in Petra. We simply do not know that. Wherever he goes, I doubt it's out in the middle of the desert, he has a lot to think about. He's just met Jesus on the road. He's been called to be a prophetic figure to the Gentiles, which is the absolute everything that Paul has ever believed in in his entire life. I mean, we think Mary had some stuff to think about when the angel spoke to her. Paul had some stuff to think about. What does this mean? What does this involve? Uh, perhaps some people, this is conjecture, some people say it's Paul. Now, Lu- now Luke tells us that Paul started preaching when he was born. You know. So what would, what would preach? The interesting thing is, if Paul preached in Arabia, he never mentions it. Which tells me if he preached in Arabia, it probably wasn't very successful. Paul is anything but modest. Any success, he would have run up, you know. Uh, his silence this period makes it unlikely that any ministry, if he was engaged in it, was successful. His description in Romans that his ministry begins from Jerusalem omits this period. He doesn't, doesn't lift it up. He doesn't reference Arabia except this one time. After spending time in Arabia, he then returns to Damascus, presumably to be part of the Christian community there. He's probably instructed in the faith. He may be a part of his mission. Uh, best guess is probably the majority of the three years was probably in Damascus. Again, Paul is silent. Anytime he re- looks back on his ministry and talks about it, he simply omits Arabia and he omits Damascus because apparently from for him, nothing important happened, which means probably if he's involved in ministry, it simply not, not connecting at that point. Uh, the only clue that Paul gives is he managed to get in trouble with the king. Uh, Paul does not tell us why. You can just sort of fill in the lines there. Although, Jesus, I mean, Paul does proclaim Jesus to be Lord. And in the Roman Empire, who's Lord? Caesar. Caesar. That might get you in trouble with the king and the governor. That's conjecture. We simply don't know that. But there are some authors who have written on that. Uh, He does not give any indication that he's with Jews, he's in the synagogue, or that he upsets anybody in that group. Three years later, he takes a brief trip to uh, Jerusalem, presumably, I would think, to learn more about the Jesus that he now believes in. Acts and Paul both agree that after Jerusalem, he then heads north, uh, back up to Tarsus and Cilicia. Um, Luke says he goes to Tarsus first, then Cilicia, Paul just mentions the two in reverse order, although that doesn't necessarily mean anything. Uh, again, Paul gives no hints of any successful ministry there. So some people think, well, do you remember what, he, what Paul did for a living? Tent maker. Tent maker. Actually, the term is, is a leather worker and tents are made out of leather, so some people think that. He, his family's there, so he could have gone back to the family business and lived a life there, or he may have gone back and began to proclaim the gospel If he did, he does not give any indication that it was successful. He remains in Tarsus until Barnabas comes and gets him, brings him over to the Syrian uh, church. Uh, And then if we look at numbers, this is a guess. And again, different people come up with slightly different numbers. 33 AD, Paul is converted in the Damascus area. Jesus dies in 30. Some people think Paul may have been converted in less than a year. Some people may extend it out to 34. 33 is probably just a good guess. 33 to 36, he goes to Arabia uh, and then returns to Damascus. Probably the bulk of that's in Damascus. 36 AD, he escapes Damascus in the basket, spends 15 days with Peter in Jerusalem. Uh, Other than Peter, he only sees James, the brother of the Lord. By the way, Peter will leave, and James, the brother of the Lord, will become the head of the church in Jerusalem until he's cured later. He goes to Tarsus, which is his home, now, here's the one that's sort of fuzzy. How long was he in Tarsus before Barnabas got him and took him to uh, Antioch? We don't know. Uh, Martin Hengel and uh, James Dunn and some other scholars, uh, this is a guess, uh, probably a few years in Tarsus, somewhere around 40, some people as late as 47. Barnabas goes and gets Paul because a revolution just broke out in Antioch a religious revolution for the first time there is a church made up of Gentiles because it's for the first time that we're actually called Christians is it Antioch? because it's clear that we're not Jews Barnabas brings Paul back to be involved in this Uh, he's going to be a part of this church in this ministry for guessing nearly 10 years it could be a little bit less 40 to 47 he lives in Antioch he's part of the Gentile church He's, he works with Barnabas. Uh, that church is a thriving church. Uh, it is during this period that he has that out of body. Remember that out of body experience? I know a man who X years ago went to the third heaven. Well, if you crunch the math, it's here. It has to happen during this time period. 47 A.D. His lost years come to an end. Acts 13. Luke resumes the story after a gap, 14 to 17 years, something like that. Paul joins Barnabas. It's real clear. Barnabas as his assistant. Both Paul and Barnabas mentioned Barnabas' name first. Uh, they go on a missionary journey to Cyprus, which happens to be Barnabas's home. Barnabas launches a mission to his home. Paul goes with him. They are sent by the Antioch church. This is the beginning of what is called the first of the missionary journeys of Paul. Uh, August 4 and August 11th, we're going to look at the Antioch church. Uh, some events that happen there. There's a crisis at Antioch. There's a mission, and there's what's called the incident at Antioch. And at the end of this, we now have the Apostle Paul we know. He launches off into Greece and Turkey for the ministry that we know. Meanwhile, Paul is sent to proclaim the good news, the Angelion. Remember what the good news is? Basically, it's the, it's the word of salvation. Susan's going to come in for four weeks and talk to us, from the New Testament, what, is, what does it mean to be saved? <coughs> what is salvation? And then uh, also a little bit about within the Methodist tradition. So she'll be with you beginning next week. Barbara and I are going to be gone having fun. So right. we enjoy. <laughs>